This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've joined us today. We're going to talk about General Motors first and the huge job cutbacks that they announced last week. We're going to talk about the impact on Detroit and Hamtramck in particular and get into some of the details of what will happen with the tax credits and incentives that were given to GM as part of the creation of that plant many years ago. Uh, We're going to spend the second half of the show, though, talking about all of the big business stories that happened in Detroit and Michigan over 2018. This has been a pretty uh, special year in terms of business developments, Uh, big news on many fronts. Uh, We're going to discuss all of them. And of course, we want to hear from you about the things that you're looking back to 2018 and kind of remembering in the business context as we close the year out and head into 2019. And I've got a really great guest for both of those segments today. Chad Livengood is a reporter with Cranes Detroit Business. He has been a reporter here in Southeast Michigan for a really long time. He's somebody who knows an awful lot about not just business, but also politics and culture and community. So I'm really glad to welcome Chad Livengood to the studio today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. It's always great to see you. So uh, General Motors announced last week that it plans a major workforce reduction nationwide and that the Detroit Hamtramck plant that makes the Chevy Volt is expected to be one of the ones that will be closed. The Poultown plant is, of course, at once a source of Detroit pride because it has churned out cars for nearly four decades. And it's also a reminder of some pain because a neighborhood was demolished to make way for the plant in the 1980s. Poulton also saw the city, the state, and the federal government shower GM with tax credits and incentives all in the name of creating economic activity. But I think the question in a lot of people's minds is, what happens now? Is there any payback for taxpayers and workers if GM just pulls out of Hamtramck completely. Uh, Cranes uh, reported earlier this week that GM may keep cashing in on tax credits for the, from the state for the workers that is laying off, and it remains really unclear what's going to happen to those workers if the plant closes. So let's start there, Chad. Um, what is a community to do when General Motors, somebody who is a member of this community, has been for more than 100 years, uh, becomes uh, sort of uh, an abandoner of that community or an abandoner of a specific part of that community. Um, what are we supposed to think of that and how are we supposed to, to manage it? Well, this one, uh, obviously, there's been a lot of plant closings over the years uh, in Michigan. And this one probably stings the most uh, for most people because, because both of the history uh, of that pole town plant and also because this is the last General Motors plant in the city of Detroit. Um, and GM uh, you know grew up here and in Flint they're down to one uh, really two plants in Flint the truck plant and and the, and the engine plant there and and so this is the last you know um, assembly um, um, presence um, outside of outside of the Renaissance Center headquarters. And so, yeah, when people start evaluating and wanting to know, well, what are we getting for our money? Because um, I've been tracking this issue with these tax credits for several years now uh, because back in 2014, um, an undisclosed taxpayer uh, that uh, was likely one of the big three automakers 
cashed in in December of 2014 a $200 million tax credit that sent the state into a, into a budget deficit um, because the state was not anticipating this um, this uh, tax return to come in that that month. They the governor the ne- governor Snyder the next month had to make some small you know not no not small not even insignificant couple hundred million dollars of budget cuts um, small in the in the grand scheme of our our past budget cuts of billion dollars or more, but he had to make this some some budget cuts in order to pay for um, a tax credit that was cashed in by a very large employer that was never disclosed and won't be. Uh, but that caused a, a change in the conversation was we need to get a little bit of a handle on these these uh, what is known as the mega tax credits, the Michigan Economic Growth Authority. Mm-hmm. Um, these are tax credits for just a little bit of history that that started under uh, go- uh, Republican Governor John Engler, and they started as a sort of a plant by plant job creation by job creation opportunity to to incentivize the big three to uh, to reinvest in in Michigan. So, like when they built the Lake Orion plant in the '90s, they 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 got a couple hundred, they got tax credits for a couple hundred jobs there. Uh, same thing when they when they when they did change, uh, upgraded the Brownstown Township plant and and other uh, projects along the way and then after in the midst of the of uh, the fallout from General Motors and Chrysler's bankruptcies in 2009 and the um, the federal bailout and and management of the bankruptcies then Democratic Governor Jennifer Granholm came up with a new way to to make these tax credits apply to most of General Motors, Ford, and Fiat Chrysler Automobiles workforce in Michigan. And for at the time, uh, General Motors got a tax credit that applied to 20,000 employees in the state. So not just the folks who work in the assembly plants, but also a minimum of 4,000 employees in the Renaissance Center and and then and then, and then research and development uh, employees that work in the Warren Tech Center and the Tech Center up in, in Pontiac as well. And so from there, um, General Motors started doing better every year, and they kept going back to the Michigan Economic Development Corporation and then eventually the Governor Rick Snyder's administration asking for amendments to their mega to add more and more jobs mm-hmm. because the job, the, 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 the tax credit is calculated by um, the equivalent of the employee's state income tax that they pay. So if they, make, if they work at the tech center, they're an engineer, they make $100,000 a year, they pay for roughly uh, uh, $4,250 in state income tax. General Motors then gets to claim that back as a credit against their own corporate uh, business tax that they pay under the Michigan business tax that still exists basically for them and and, and other automakers that c- continue to, to use that tax code that was got that we got rid of uh, for everybody else, but they continue to use it so they can claim these credits through the end of the next decade. And that's why this thing is so complicated. Um, and so kind of going forward, I'm going to put a bow on this, um, General Motors kept kept claiming credit, so they wanted to cap this thing. So they got, they agreed to a cap of thirty four thousand seven hundred and fifty jobs that could be claimed under the under the credit. General Motors' workforce now right now in Michigan is is about fifty one thousand employees. So even after they make these eight thousand cuts in the white collar ranks. Uh, and whatever happens with the plants and such, um, they'll probably still be over that limit uh, and still be able to claim the total credit, the yeah. maximum credit. Yeah, and and that's got to rub us the wrong way, I think, in Detroit, given not just the sacrifices that were made to create the possibility for the Bulltown plant, but but again, these massive 
aids that have been given to GM and, of course, other companies as well to try to preserve jobs. The whole idea of those incentives, of those tax breaks, is to preserve work for, for people here. Yeah, preserve work and also it was it was meant to also um, try to stimulate um, capital investment. Um, and so that's right. Um, I mean, and GM has spent several billions of dollars over the last couple of years upgrading facilities. You just look at the transformation at the Warren Tech Center uh, that's gone on. I mean, we, you can't see it from the outside, but they've been they've been you know making uh, all kinds of improvements inside of the Renaissance Center in the last few, uh, several years. And so that investment has been part of the deal that they that they struck with the state. That it was not just about uh, preserving jobs, but also spending money uh, in in upgrading facilities, and upgrading, retooling plants, um, and and the other automakers did the same thing. That was all part of the same deal. I mean, Ford just got done retooling Wayne Assembly, um, that now is going to make the, is making the new uh, Ford Ranger that uh, that goes on sale next year. So. The parts, many of the parts of which are built at, at the new uh, flexing gate plant here in Detroit. So all this has been kind of integrated in this deal. And so for General Motors to start closing this plant, possibly closing the Warren transmission plant as well, um, the, it's, a, it's a pullback. And, and, you know, some legislators are asking, why should we continue to give them the same amount of credit, uh, tax credits, um, when they're not going to be producing and retaining the same, same, same amount of jobs and also long term is this really the policy? Do we want to continue to basically pay this tax credit for the next decade? That's what I mean. Eleven more years of 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 basically being sort of indentured to this uh, to this tax code, um, and we're talking about six hundred million dollars a year uh, on average that comes out of the state budget, out of the state treasury, and a general fund that is. Um, is about ten billion dollars and really has not grown much this entire century. Hmm. It's barely three percent. Uh, I have to remind people of this. I tell legislators this because they don't seem to know um, <laughs> that um, because they weren't here. And uh, uh, right. but um, from two thousand until this fiscal year that started October first, general fund has grown by less than three hundred million dollars. Um, inflation alone would 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 have made it grown by three billion. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a loss. It's a net loss when you account for inflation over that time. And there are a lot of reasons for that: population loss, tax cuts. I think have have really eaten into the into the growth. Uh, but but these these giveaways and and there's not really a better word for them uh, are are a huge part of the imbalance in in Lansing. In 2015, the tax credits topped 800 million dollars. It actually wiped out all the all the revenue from all the other corporations in the state combined uh, through the corporate income tax. Uh, so uh, and there's and we're talking about a universe of less than 50 companies that are still in this Michigan business tax. The big ones are are General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Chad Livengood. He's a reporter at Crane's Detroit Business, somebody who has been around a long time covering politics and business and other issues here in southeast Michigan. Uh, we're talking right now about General Motors and their huge announcement last week that they will eliminate about 14,000 jobs nationwide and close several plants. One of the ones, one of the plants on that list is the Hamtramck 
assembly plant, uh, which we know as Pole Town here in Detroit, uh, a plant that we sacrificed a neighborhood to help General Motors create, uh, a plant that has also received an enormous amount of government support over the last four decades. What happens with that support uh, if GM closes that plant? What happens to the workers at that plant if it closes and GM does not relocate them? These are the kind of the questions that are coming up now a week later as we're trying to assess what the damage will be to this community if GM goes ahead with its plans. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, uh, and we will work you into the conversation. Um, tell us what you think about what GM is doing. Tell us what you think government ought to be doing to try to respond to what GM is doing. Should we really revisit some of the extravagant uh, ways in which we support businesses in order for them to invest in our city or our state and employ people? Uh, are we being taken uh, of a sort by uh, continuing to subsidize these things and watching companies roll up and and move away. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. Let's start with Watts in Clinton Township. Watts, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, and thanks, uh, hey. Stephen and guests. Um, I heard yesterday that GM's laying off all the, at least at, at those plants, all the U.S. contract workers, and they'll be left with nothing after their unemployment runs out, while they are retaining their H-1B visa workers, which probably work for cheaper and have harsher uh, conditions. Hmm. Uh, Watts, I have not heard anything about that. Uh, Chad Livengood, have you? I'm not familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Watts, uh, we'll try to maybe look into that. Uh, if you could maybe send us a link to something that uh, where you learned it, uh, get us caught up. But I appreciate the call and the comments and the question. Um, let's go to Steve. Steve on the road. Welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Um, Hi. Uh, I'm curious, in all of the commentary around the, um, the eminent domain that produced the Hamtramck plant, I'm not hearing anyone talk about uh, what was surely Detroit's greatest eminent domain travesty, and that was the destruction of Black Bottom in Paradise Valley, mm -hmm. and the extent to which the, ham the choice of the Hamtramck location may have been in some way a response to that. Uh, justice, if you ask me, but uh, that, that's my question. I'd well, like to hear an, someone speak to that. So, Steve, that's an interesting way to, 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 to phrase that and, and set up that juxtaposition. Can you tell me what you think the connection is between the destruction of Paradise Valley and the destruction of Poltown? I, I, I don't know. I, I just know that, that uh, well, down at, at Burt's Entertainment Complex in mm -hmm. the Eastern Market, mm -hmm. there's a mural on the side of a large wall that's a map of Paradise Valley with every, every structure yes. in place on the map. And, and you know, it, it, was, it was an education for me in, in what... And what really was destroyed uh, at the time, and my office is in Poltown. It's it's about four mile, four blocks south of the uh, uh, of the Hamtramck plant, 
And, and I, you know, I've seen the destruction there of, well, I, I wouldn't say destruction, more the abandonment mm-hmm. of, of that East Pole Town neighborhood. Um, and, I, you know, I think the, um, uh, the human cost of this sort of thing is, is profound, but I just, I, it, it feels wrong to me that we're talking about uh, the destruction of the neighborhood in, in, uh, in, in Pole Town, in Hamtramck, uh, without also discussing the fact that that one of the greatest wounds, cultural wounds, done in this city uh, occurred a few decades before. Um, yes. and, and, you know, we need to remember that. Hmm. Yeah, Steve, I, I really appreciate the call, and, and I think that's an important historical context to put all of this in. Uh, I was a, a small child here in Detroit when when the Pull Town discussion took place and when Coleman Young, who was the mayor at the time, uh, really pushed very hard to get this deal done because he was afraid of the the massive job losses and population loss that uh, that Detroit was, was undergoing. Uh, I, I think it's really interesting to think of that in contrast to what happened uh, in, in Black Bottom, which, as you point out, was this also this massive destruction of a neighborhood in that case, in favor of a freeway, not a plant. Uh, but of course, all of the all of these things tie into our auto industry, right? The freeway was built for you know auto workers coming into the city and leaving that sort of thing. Um, you know, uh, Chad, th- this question of what we sacrifice in, in in the service of industry, and in particular in service of the auto industry in this region, I think is something that we've struggled with a really long time. And I think uh, the the announcement about closing uh, Pole Town really reminds us of the fact that we haven't we haven't resolved how how to deal with those things. You're right, I mean, and you know they. Another example is Del Rey, a neighborhood that is I mean, it's been in decline for 50 years, but its decline was really sped up 25 years ago when politicians on both sides of the river said, this will be a great place to land a new bridge so that we can increase our trade between our two countries so we can make our just-in-time delivery of our of our goods, mostly cars and parts, uh, that flow flow over the border a lot faster, and so um, that uh, that also sped the decline and eventual now you know eminent domain um, of that neighborhood uh, to build this new Gordy Howe International Bridge, very much along the same parallels that you're talking about that um, that, that everything kind of has revolved around uh, the production of the automobile, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's uh, that's a big part of our economy. I mean, and this this is another. You know, struggle point that we that we continue to have in Detroit. We're trying to figure out what we're going to do with all this land we have, uh, but we don't have contiguous sections of land to to build new plants and so or build um, new you know um, f- large facilities that require 80, 90 acres at a time. That's 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 why you know Mayor Mike Duggan seems to have his eye on 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 the Coleman Young Airport as uh, it's two hundred and eighty almost three hundred acres. Of, uh, of of prime land in the middle of the city with uh, with access to the interstate, uh, mm-hmm. and he's asking, you know, the, and his people are asking the question aloud: Is this the best economic use of this piece of part of his land? If we could get another um, um, car plant or something, now obviously that 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 conversation gets a little more complicated now with with Pole Town. Um, and um, interesting enough, I mean, people there was always a discussion that there would be more built around Pole Town 
um, more industry. And, and that has only started to materialize in the last couple of years with the, de- with the development of the I-94 uh, industrial park with, um, uh, there's a company named Lyft that makes, uh, uh, that, 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 or Link, Link is the name of it, uh, that um, they make, they're a logistics company. They have a big uh, facility out there, Flexingate, that new plant uh, that, that um, is, is a magnificent large uh, uh, manufacturing plant for, you know, for the parts for the, for the new Ford Ranger. That one came online, and there's a couple other ones. There's one last, and but that's all same, so, so you know, sort of part of that same area that um, was essentially eventually cleared out. It was residential, um, and and but it wasn't taken uh, from people, and it, obviously you know they didn't plow in churches, and in fact. They, you know, they actually preserved a church right next door to this massive gargantuan plant that's there now. I forget the name of that church there on Georgia Street, but um, but it's it, it's you know it's kind of an example of how they built you know they they built around it and, and they and they they're all working together uh, in concert at least for now. Um, but you know, again, kind of going forward, that's what we got to sort of contemplate. What is uh, what's the payoff here? Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about General Motors and the changes that are happening in the city as a result of their massive cutbacks. A little later, we're going to talk about the bigger stories in Southeast Michigan in the business context this year. Stay with us, and stay with us on the phones. Carolyn in Royal Oak, Gene in Detroit, Charlie in Detroit, Robert in Detroit, we will get to you next. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. My guest is Chad Livengood, a reporter with Crane's Detroit Business. This is Detroit Today, and I'm Stephen Henderson. I'm really glad you've joined us today. We're talking about General Motors and the big announcement last week that they will cut more than 14,000 jobs nationwide and close several plants around the nation, including Whole Town here in Hamtramck, right in southeast Michigan. We're talking about the effect of that and especially the context in which uh, the economic context in which those things will happen, the massive support from government that General Motors has gotten over the years, not just to build the Pole Town plant, but to keep it open and keep making cars there. What happens to all of those incentives? And should we be rethinking the way we subsidize big corporations to create jobs or make investments in our community? If you want to join the conversation, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313 577 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. A little later in the show, we are going to pivot just a little bit and talk about the big business stories of the year here in Southeast Michigan. And we want to hear from you about those. What are the things that happened here during 2018 that have you thinking about them even now as we head into 2019? Uh, There were a lot of big developments that took place in Detroit during 2018. We'll talk about those in a little bit. Uh, Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Gene in Detroit. Gene, you're welcome. Welcome to Detroit today. Uh, Good morning, Stephen. Hey, Gene. Uh, Two decades ago, I was part of an effort in the empowerment zone to utilize uh, unused industrial uh, capacity uh, in the production of uh, goods and services for emerging markets. Uh, and to use the 
export credits from the Exim Bank in order to subsidize small businesses in that effort. A Wayne State professor said that would have produced about 25 to 30,000 jobs in the area. Hmm. I'm wondering if your guests could comment on the wisdom of pursuing a development tactics such as that. Hmm. Gene, thanks for the call and the question. Go ahead, Chad. Well, we've had all sorts of different plans and 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 renaissance zones and and all kinds of different tools have been created over the years. You know, some of them have had uh, lasting effect, um, and and some of them have taken taken longer than others to really uh, get into full utilization. I mean, the, the um, right now, I, I get one example, a good. Um, Ideal Shield uh, over in Southwest uh, Detroit on Clark Avenue. They are actually in the uh, the, the property is where the old Clark Avenue um, GM plant was, mm-hmm. uh, where they used to make Cadillac Eldorados. It's a really interesting business. Uh, uh, the, the started by Frank Venegas and and run by his uh, his daughter and brother and and son now. And and um, they make uh, um, steel bollards and and. Uh, and parking dividers, but they, that was their first business. Now they're into steel construction, fabrication, uh, and they, you know, they they've worked in on Ford plants all around the country, and I believe and believe even in, in Mexico. And um, and they they started at that plant, and 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 they used I believe it was a Renaissance zone or or one of the empowerment zones uh, from from the uh, Archer era. That they moved into that building, building when people thought it was never going to be um, you know, um, occupied again, right. and they actually took over th- that that plant when that when that plant closed down in the early '80s. That's what prompted Coleman Young to push for the for the um, for the Pole Town plant was to to push to, to tear down Dodge Main and. And, uh, and and half of half of the pole town neighborhood in order to um, in order to bring in a, a secure and keep a, a general motors assembly plant in the city after that uh, that um, storied plant on Clark Avenue had to shut down so you know there's you know, there's been some mixed bag results with some of these different initiatives obviously we can point to any number of other old plants that sat vacant and that's part of the, you know part of the struggle too General Motors at the time had to build a modern plant because these these multi-story car factories that we built in the 20s in this town, um, they they have they had no uh, no no practical use uh, in uh, post-war, and that's that's part of the reason why the automakers just started spreading out into the into the into the cornfields of of, <laughs> of, of, of uh, Macomb County uh, to build more car plants, um, and and that's why Van Dyke and Mountain got built up the way they did because they had the area to build single-story car plants. Um, and and that's and same same thing happened to GM as well um, as as they started you know spreading out into Grand Blank and and Flint Township and other areas. Um, it's the same story. So they were you know that that was the meaning and intent of of Pole Town was we got to build a modern plant and we have to have the space to do it. Um, and yes, I mean ultimately they had to make some you know some some pretty uh, gut wrenching decisions to yes. to take away people's homes. Yeah. Uh, again, Gene, thanks very much for the call and the question. Let's go to Robert in Detroit. Robert, what's on your mind? Hi. Um, we've been talking about programs that these companies have um, been able to benefit from, mostly from the point of tax credits and um, tax um, other tax uh, benefits. But um, I understand that when there was a the big federal tail, uh, bailout that a lot of these companies were able to offload toxic properties and Superfund sites, 
and uh, their liability for them. And I'm just wondering why we don't have tax incentives to um, have these companies, you know, contribute to the fund that, that seems to be depleted and create jobs with people cleaning up the thousands of sites in Michigan alone. Hmm. And, um, you know, how, why um, we, when the companies are doing great, we give them, you know, all this, all the profits, but when they're doing bad, we let them just leave and we're still paying them these benefits and have to clean up the pollution years and years and years from now. Yeah, great question, uh, Robert. Uh, Chad, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, the, um, after the bankruptcy of, of 2009, uh, General Motors uh, in, in particular transferred a lot of its old properties, its old plants um, into what was called the, is known as the Racer Trust so the Fisher Body Plant in, in Lansing, that is this it, it, what used to be there. Is this if you know Lansing at all? It's on the west side of Lansing. It's a big void in the middle of uh, <laughs> middle of, of town between uh, Lansing Township uh, and uh, and the city of Lansing. Um, same thing out on Grand River, um, where they leveled another plant out there, um, Buick City. Um, also, uh, you know, largely a void. Although Learcorp has built a new plant on 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 the um, on the site of Buick City, they're building uh, the the seats for for the for the uh, Chevy Silverado and GMC trucks that are going that that are assembled in Flint. Um, so th- there is some redevelopment of these la- of these racer trust uh, sites, but um, it, yeah, it's it's slow. It takes years. Uh, the remediation. I mean, there's a whole host of you know, of issues about companies just sort of leaving uh, sites. Uh, you know, just look at McClough Steel right now. Um, you know, the Maroons have bought that uh, from Wayne County uh, uh, after tax foreclosure. After the p- previous owner spent 20 years trying to do something with it, after that steel plant shut down in the early 90s, and so. Um, now they're committed to tearing down the, the steel plant and remediating all of the waste in a two-year period, which is will be remarkable if it actually happens um, and uh, at the pace that they say it will. But um, like I said, these things these things are expensive to undo these you know these large industrial decisions. It took years to, to level um, uh, Buick City as well, and it's going to take years, um, uh, if not decades, to to build something new there. Uh, again, thanks very much, Robert, for the really interesting question and idea there. Let's go to Carolyn. Carolyn in Royal Oak, what's on your mind? Well, I'm thinking every time you lose a job, you lose somebody buying another car. Hmm. But the real reason I called is because they took down a hospital, a church, a nursing school, and a residence for student nurses and a lot of property on the boulevard. It was St. Joe's on the boulevard. Uh, and now I think they're thinking about closing that, and that was only the 80s when it was dashed and rebuilt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then what's going on at the edge of Highland Park? I guess that bleeds over into Hamtramck, doesn't it? Those factory buildings that are you can see from Woodward. Mm-hmm. Anyway... We need the jobs. Let's go. Thanks for having this subject hmm. for us to hear about. Yeah, Carolyn, I appreciate the call. I mean, just as I said earlier, that these these multi-story factory buildings, like the like the Ford Highland Park plant that she references, like the Russell Industrial Center, 
uh, like the one the I think it's an old Cadillac playing at, at the um, at the intersection of 75 and 94. That seems like it's getting worse and worse every time I drive by it. Um, and obviously, like like the Packard plant, um, what do we do with it? these these yeah. these monuments to uh, to to the to the early 20th century industrial rise of Detroit? Um, uh, you know, if if we can find a way to redevelop them and put people in them, like they've done a little bit of that at the Russell Industrial Center, although they that that owner has struggled with that for years. I mean that's the goal, uh, but but that's 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 the tough part, um, and, and and as we're trying to sort of you know sort out what does New Detroit look like, we still have to figure out what what do we do with old Detroit? With old Detroit, right? Uh, cleaning it up is is one of the big things, right? Those those sites are very very polluted, and it's very costly. If you even had an idea for what you wanted to do with them, you'd have to start with these millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. Just to get them to this, to the to the place where you could build something else. Yeah, I mean, as painful as Pole Town is to, in this town, if GM hadn't done that, if they if they hadn't done that project, Dodge Main would probably still be standing today. Um, just like um, uh, just like all the all the other auto plants that are like these ones that we just referenced. I mean, so that's that's the again the the push and pull here. Um, if you don't have someone that's willing to come in and build something on or around one of these sites, and that's been the case for the Packard plant, I mean, we have to kind of remind ourselves that the Packard plant was shut down in 1956. Wow. <laughs> I, mean, wow. I mean, it's. I, I mean, when I was reading some of the of the, of the early 80s uh, of free press accounts last week of of the pole town development and it, and it references you know this is going to be the biggest thing to happen to this area that's been depressed ever since 1956 this was like a, these are 1981 <laughs> accounts you know and and it's like holy cow that is a long period of time um uh that 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 area had been already suffering yeah. um uh, of that whole grand uh, boulevard area sure uh let's go, let's go to brett at ypsilanti brett welcome to detroit today Hi, thanks for having me, and yeah. thanks for talking about the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to first just bring up the H-1B visa that somebody, uh, mis- I, in my opinion, misinterpreted uh, for the auto companies. They bring in H-1B visas, but they're usually higher, highly skilled, highly trained, like engineers and tech workers, um, mostly from India, but other countries as well that come in on an H-1B visa or stay when they graduate from uh, like U of M, for example, and then get offered a job and get an H-1B visa to stay mm-hmm. as an engineer. And so thinking about those types of workers, those tech workers, um, thinking about how Ford and GM both are pivoting towards being more mobility companies. Uh, Ford just announced the autonomous uh, development at the old train station. Ford's already said they're going to phase out manufacturing in, in North America. Um, GM is getting more publicity for that. Um, can happen to me sooner, but I just wondered if we think about like moving towards tech jobs, and that's really where I think the automotive industry wants to see Detroit is like the new Silicon Valley of automotive, um, and what that means for kind of the people who maybe are not young enough to transition into the tech workforce and are kind of stuck in this limbo, and what does that mean for them? But then also job training, uh, skill training for those who are in the city for yes. engineering and tech jobs. Yes. Brett, thank you very much for the call and the thoughts. James. Last week I was over at uh, the factory, Ford's first Corktown building that they own. They bought uh, uh, last December at the right, or, or earlier this year 
at the uh, yeah no last December at the at the corner of, of uh, Rosa Parks and Michigan Avenue. This is the old uh, early uh, 20th century hosiery factory that uh, is now um, housing 200 250 of uh, Ford's uh, employees in their electric vehicle and autonomous vehicle development. Um, this is the sort of you know, beginning of what will will transform Corktown uh, ultimately if it all comes to fruition. Um, where you're, they they consider this Silicon Valley uh, for for um, for the Midwest. Uh, they're, they're, that's what they want to build, and and they're they're trying to you know emulate the type of work environment. Um, they, these these are folks all working on this the strategy, business development. And and the engineering, uh, computer engineering behind uh, the development of autonomous uh, vehicles and and uh, and uh, artificial intelligence, um, yeah. This this seems like this is the play. I mean, even though General Motors as is off is offloading all these employees, you know, when they get rid of the uh, Chevy Impala, there's a whole host of engineers and and, and workers who are who are part of that team. They're the ones. Those those are the jobs that are being cut as they're as they're as they're getting rid of some of these these you know low selling sedans. Um, but at the same time, GM is out hiring as many uh, minds as they can get their hands on, and all the automakers are um, to um, to try to satisfy the need that you know to build up this um, this new economy that they 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 envision. Uh, will revolve around uh, robotic vehicles. Yes, yes, it will. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to pivot a little and start talking about the biggest business stories in Southeast Michigan and around the state for the year. We want to hear from you. What do you think are the big business stories that unfolded in 2018 in Detroit or Michigan? 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've joined us today. My guest is Chad Livengood. He's a reporter with Crane's Detroit Business. We were talking earlier about General Motors and the massive cutbacks that they've announced and the effect that that will have on us here in Southeast Michigan, in particular at uh, the Hamtramck Poletown plant, which we, as governments, uh, made uh, enormous, enormous gestures to try to get that started and keep it open. Also talking about what will happen to the workers when that plant closes. We want to pivot a little bit right now and talk, since it is so close to the end of the year, about the big business stories of 2018. This was a very, very busy year in Southeast Michigan in particular and the state more generally with regard to big business developments. We want to hear from you about what you think the biggest business stories were of the year. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Chad, I'll start with you. Uh, we should both, I think, uh, reveal what we think is the largest business story or the most significant business story uh, of the year in in 2018, what's what's on your list at the top? I think there's no doubt that Ford buying the Michigan Central train station and and committing to build a 1.2 million square foot campus in Corktown, bring 5,000 jobs into the city of Detroit, 
um, that that's going to be a transformational project. If it all comes together, um, it will it will you know change Corktown, which and and it will also help solidify the city's future in in being part of uh, continuing to have an automotive industry uh, that that is that is not necessarily building the cars from Detroit, but 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 developing how the cars operate um, in this new um, world of, of artificial intelligence. Um, it's, it, you know, it's significant uh, investment by by Ford. Um, yes, they're shifting jobs from Dearborn, and, and there's not a lot of new jobs for the state of Michigan probably at the end of the day, uh, but Ford is going to create these jobs anyways. They're going to put them somewhere. Um, they could have very well have 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 built an office park in in um, in uh, in Silicon Valley, somewhere in the East Bay of, of San Francisco, um, or they could have taken <laughs> it to Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. They talked about just building something downtown Ann Arbor, um, and 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 but they you know Bill Ford Jr. Uh, the chairman uh, executive chairman of the company, gra- uh, great grandson of of, um, of of the company founder. You know, he he really, you know, decided to go all in on Detroit, um, and that's uh, that's a pretty significant. That's that is the really significant story of this year. So that's at the top of my list as well. The Ford move into downtown, uh, and I I'm also a little, I guess, taken aback by the decision, the scope of of the project. Uh, I wonder how much the pressure, I guess, maybe I would call it, that maybe Bill Ford is feeling um, as as a Detroiter had 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 to do with this. I mean, you think of Dan Gilbert and all of the money that he's invested in this downtown turnaround in Detroit. Uh, you think of the Illich family, which has been here a long time, sort of up and down. Investing sometimes, other times just kind of holding on to stuff, waiting for things to get better, but certainly fixtures on that local development scene in a very important way. Um, uh, did this sort of goad Bill Ford and say, you know, you're another very wealthy business institution and family in the city of Detroit. Yeah. What are you doing on the sideline? Yeah. I mean, you're the original old, old money of this town. Where are you at? Exactly. Um, um, and uh, yeah, no, exactly. And so, I mean, th- that, did, that did seem to counter or, or be part of the effect here um, that got them off the sidelines that got them thinking, um, you know, I think the, the, the Amazon bid um, really kind of got people discussing this. Um, I mean, um, Amazon, when they when they moved into Seattle, they took this whole neighborhood um, called uh, South Lake or um, South Union, I believe, and and they took a neighborhood that basically looks like Corktown, <laughs> and 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 completely transformed it uh, into from a from a two story you know small uh, early uh, late nineteenth century type type of neighborhood into this bustling tech center. Um, and, and, and th- I think that there's some people that got thinking that we could do the same thing here, uh, right here in, in Corktown. Now that now there'll be, there'll be concerns about the gentrification of Corktown and, and rightfully so. Um, and, and, and if you thought slows was hard to get into, uh, wait until there's <laughs> 5,000 more people, uh, and, you Working know, down and, there, and, right? and, 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 you know, even if one fifth of them want to go to lunch every day, uh, it's going to be a bustling area. Um, but, um, yeah, no, there's definitely, there definitely seemed to be an air of billionaire envy, um, that, uh, that went on here. And also 
um, trying to leave your mark um, on, on the city. I mean, mm-hmm. um, his his cousin Edsel um, was instrumental in in the formation and the creation of of Campus Martius um, in the in the big uh, camp uh, fundraising campaign back during the Archer administration. That uh, you know was was uh, kind of came together when when Pete Carmano was brought brought uh, CompuWare and built the CompuWare building. I mean, we give we give Gilbert all the credit for for uh, lighting up uh, Campus Martius, but uh, those two men started that. They and, were and, before him. Yeah. yeah, they were definitely before him, and 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 then now, um, you know, Bill Ford Jr. sees an opportunity to to leave his legacy, uh, just like uh, um, Henry Ford II left his legacy with the with the building of the, of the Renaissance Center. So, um, yeah, there's definitely there's definitely some legacy building going on right now. Mm-hmm. So, what else is on your list? Uh, I have the scramble for Amazon HQ two high on my list. Uh, Chemical Bank moving downtown, building a new skyscraper. Something we don't see a whole lot of in in downtown Detroit. What else? What else catches your eye? Yeah, I mean, I I still put the Amazon as number two, even though we we lost and we lost or we got bumped out in January in the early part of the sweepstakes. And people people think you know the whole thing was a crock now uh, that that Amazon was playing us. I I take this point that that this was a this was an exercise we had to go through uh, that we needed to really. Be challenged, reevaluate where we're at. Um, uh, we have not uh, come to grips yet with uh, with two main big uh, nagging issues that hold us back as a region. And it's our it's our education system, um, our uh, starting from the K twelve system into into our into our colleges, and that is our transportation system. Hmm. Um, and the the that Amazon bid laid bare all of our faults and and warts and it also you know pointed out some of our strengths i mean there were people in this town that didn't know that the number one destination for university of michigan um computer science graduates is amazon Hmm. um and in the top five the other companies are called intel google facebook (laughs) apple (laughs) then general motors is in there as well but i mean and and Ford and Chrysler after that, but um, but these companies uh, on the West Coast have been stealing our brain power for years, um, and the number one destination of of masters in business administration, also Amazon. Yes. Um, I mean, so we 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 have the talent if we can figure out a way to keep them here. Um, we've just been kind of resigned to this sort of defeatist. Uh, um, you know, um, uh, mentality that we're just going to let them kind of, you know, leave and go to Chicago and Seattle and Boston and, and other points in between. So um, that's what Amazon really did for economic development. Is it? Got, and, it and now, I mean, this people say this is all kind of, you know, insider sugarcoating. You know, but the, the business community came together and decided we need an actual economic development strategy here, not just this sort of, hey, we'll just chase after this project. <laughs> and and what they, because they, that project, and they, Amazon dropped that RFP the like the Thursday after Labor Day last year, and they wanted it back by the 19th of October. And and that they no one had any of the material together to actually make the case. They sure. I mean they, they had to outsource it to Dan Gilbert, uh, basically, and and they and Gilbert had to pull together a bunch of his employees to build a build a book to sell Detroit on. I mean, yes, he was selling his real estate um, and it was, it was self-serving in that, that regard. But, but, you know, no one really had a game plan. And now, 
this is kind of this this book that they created can be kind of serve as as a guidepost to to trying to track these 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 tech jobs mm-hmm. uh, of the future and and because you know we're we're not going to overcome some of our our long standing problems if, if we don't if we don't get higher paying jobs and more people moving into this region we got a lot That's of space really to fill in yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. Tell us what stories, business stories, uh, you are thinking about as we wrap up 2018 and head into 2019. One I want to throw on the table before we get to the phones, uh, again, is the legalized marijuana, I think, uh, is going to change a lot of business dynamics uh, in in Michigan, especially in Southeast Michigan, especially in Detroit. We don't know what that's going to look like yet, and I think it will look different than it did uh, in other states. But uh, I would, I would certainly put that one on the list. Uh, let's go to David in Detroit, who's got another business story that he wants to share with us. David, go ahead. Hey, I think the biggest uh, business story is Mr. Gilbert's decision to build the tower at the Hudson location, mm. and the reason I think it's the biggest is because. It'll be a new construction. It'll be the tallest building in Michigan. It's going to bring lots of material, lots of jobs to build the structure. And then they say it's um, 50% leased. When you have 100 companies that move into a building in downtown Detroit, that's going to have a lot more impact than one big fish that may not even make it. I have doubts that Ford is even really going to able to pull off the next 20 years with capabilities. Huh. huh. That's a really interesting that's a really interesting comparison David between this skyscraper and and what Ford is doing. Uh, we we didn't talk about the skyscraper which uh, had but there's no question it's it is a huge uh, development in in downtown Detroit and as David points out it'll bring a lot of different businesses into the city. Yeah, it's going to be a focal point of the, of downtown. I mean, I'm not sure Chemical Bank would be would be building a new building down the street uh, that they're planning to do and bring 500 employees and move their whole headquarters from Midland if it weren't for the fact that, that Gilbert has made this huge bet on Woodward. Um, I mean, this started with buying all the all the, the buying spree of 2012, 13, 14, 15. He was buying all those buildings along Woodward, uh, all those old three, four-story buildings. Um, and you know they got the Shinola Hotel as one of the one of the redevelopment projects, but um, but now I mean now he's getting serious and, and going up into the sky um, at 900 feet uh, or more, and and so yeah it's it and, and then he's gonna he's gonna break ground early next year on the on the what's called the Monroe Blocks uh, section when they and they are and build some a couple of other office buildings to kind of fill out the campus Marcus Cadillac Square area, um, so. If it all comes to fruition, it's all pretty big, uh, pretty big, make a pretty big, big development. Yeah. yeah, and and then and then you know, if anybody hasn't noticed, uh, the failed jail has been has been has been torn down. Yes, and that actually is a business story because <laughs> <laughs> because finally we can we don't have to look at the thing anymore, and and it's it's primed and ready for another big development. Dream there. of what's next, right? Exactly. All right, Chad Livengood, reporter with Cranes Detroit Business. Great to have you here with us on Detroit today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. All right, that's gonna do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.